Hello everyone, grab your sandwiches. This isn't the BBC, but maybe one day we will get there. Live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, I don't know where, but we're everywhere. And we're going to join you for lunch today. We're going to be talking about professionals, the professional industry, the academia industry. So it might be a blast in the past for some of you. 15 seconds, all will be revealed. Grab that pet sandwich. Is it ham hock today? Who knows? In 10 seconds, we go live. Hello, everyone. I am Stephen Drew, and it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday with a bank holiday. It is Wednesday, and it's 1 o'clock, and I'm joined here with a face that you might recognize. And this isn't the BBC. Neither is this the University of Sheffield. Maybe one or two of the students might know this individual as well. But the gig is up, and I've got here the fantastic Satwinder Samra from University of Sheffield. How are you doing today, Satwinder? I'm really good, Stephen. Thanks so much for inviting me and asking me to take part in this lunchtime chat. I'm really looking forward to having a conversation. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Awesome. Well, if, if there was an audience here, we pretend it was, we had the virtual round of attack. So appreciate you making a little bit of time out of your busy schedule. So just before we begin, as it's a live stream, anyone in the audience, if you've got a question for Satwinder at any point, you can drop a comment and I can bring it up on the screen. But for anyone that hasn't met Satwinder, he will introduce himself in just a second. And the topic of today is the importance of architecture practices and academia getting involved and collaborating together. So Satwinder, first of all, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Um, uh, I was born in Huddersfield in 1969 to uh, migrant Punjabi parents. I came to Sheffield to study architecture, which was a wonderful kind of um, opportunity. I then subsequently worked for a number of practices like um, Urban Splash, working on warehouses and refurbishment projects across the Northwest. I worked for um, Proctor Matthews. Then I came back to Sheffield to teach uh, and I've been involved in the school for a number of years. And more recently, um, I run the collaborative practice course, which we'll talk about shortly. Great. And I also do some work on um, children's BBC, uh, working on the Dengineers, which some people may have seen. And also I do some practice work with a very good friend of mine, William uh, Matthews. So that, that, that's been a nutshell. That was, a very, that was quite a brief overview. I skipped through that. I hope that was that okay. That was perfect. And I put a bit of eye candy for us in the background. I know it's like Inception. There's two sat windows on TV. But as you can <laughs> see here, it's just it's a nice trailer, isn't it? That, that you've done you. showing. I think it's nice because you see the university work. And, and actually, here we go. We've got the Sheffield University, the famous lift as well, which, uh, you know, is very interesting. But you're right. I am here. Partly, I'm interested in what you do at Sheffield. Not so much the lift even though the lift is cool and you you know the architectural history about that, we'll talk about your collaboration with practice. So I'm going to pause this video here and I'm going to bring it back to us for a second. So you mentioned at the University of Sheffield, you set up a kind of a new course and I was quite impressed with that because when I did my part two, my part one and part two, I had a little module of going into industry practice and that was interesting. But tell us all about what you're doing at the University of Sheffield first and foremost. 
Sure. Um, so around 2015, we realized with the introduction of the higher fee that um, we, we were concerned that quite a few students might drop out uh, during their year out because they might yeah. have realized that it's, you know, it's quite expensive architectural education. It takes yeah. quite a long time. And so we thought, is there a way mm. where we could sort of combine the world of practice with the world of, of, of academia and have a sort of way where students can earn as they learn uh, and also kind of capture some of the work that they do in practice so we set up this new course called Collaborative Practice, and essentially it's an earn-as-you-learn type model. And okay. it means that students work in practice four days a week and the fifth day is for academic learning and support. When we set up the course, we kind of had about six practices on board. Now we've got 50 practices on board. And oh, wow. I think the, the thing that's unique about the course is that the work that students do in practice becomes live academic content. So we're trying to join the two worlds up. But also we realize that, you know, students perhaps quite like working in practice. It's quite nice to have a salary, quite nice to have an income. And yeah. Is there a way that rather than having to leave that and go back to a sort of standard program, was there a way of kind of joining joining that up? So that, that's what we endeavored to do. When we set it up, it was kind of interesting because people were saying, well, students are going to miss out. Um, they're not in uni enough or, you know, maybe they might be behind. And what we've realized is that the experience allows students to reflect on what they do in practice, but also to become a little bit more knowing in terms of how they make design decisions. How do they balance their time and how do they engage more fully in the practice world that they're involved in? Why is practice the way that it is? And in a sense, students are going from being passengers to being really actively engaged and we found that um, the model really does work and the reception we've had from, from students and also practices has been super encouraging. Amazing. Well, let me tell you, Seth, when, when I, this was, I did it when, before the fees went up, uh, part two architecture, and I could barely afford that. So I was working part-time in Waitrose. Now, I did enjoy the Waitrose discount. However, I would have loved to have worked in an office like Acro Lowry or Hawkins Brown and, and so forth. So tell us a little bit about some of the architecture practices which have kindly got on board with your scheme, because that sounds exciting. Yeah, so when we when we set up the course, we reached out to practices that uh, we already had a connection with, such as Hawkins Brown, Alfred Holman and Morris, BDP, yeah. Proctor and Matthews, and because we needed their support when we were trying to yeah. navigate getting the course approved. So, in the, in one year, we uh, got the course approved by um, our department, the faculty, the university, and we also got it approved by the RIBA and the ARB. And at the same time, we were recruiting. You can see on the video there, there's me back in 2015 kind of doing the pitch, you know, trying to convince people that this was a valid route and that it kind of made sense. And we kind of had to be a little bit pioneering and you know the students we were appealing to we we were kind of asking them to take a bit of a risk and some people said you know they're they're going to be guinea pigs and we deliberately said no we're going to be pioneers yeah. and it, it's interesting only yesterday one of the first students who um, embarked on the course Chris um, Jones who, who works at BDP he was in the department yesterday doing some teaching but we were just reminiscing about those those very very early years when we were trying yeah. to do something that was different because essentially 
architectural education hasn't really changed that much in the last 40 years. You know, the mm. length of course, the kinds of work that occurs. Obviously, there's a nuance in terms of the types of projects that occur and the people that might deliver those projects. But wholeheartedly, there hasn't been a big, big shift. And what we've done here is made the first year of the part two very, very different, but also made it more affordable. And then students return to Sheffield and they join the standard program. So there's kind of variation and difference. And, and, and we think that that's been one of the unique kind of aspects of the course. And, and now, you know, each year we bring on board new practices. Um, you can see there on the screen, there are initial practices that we work with. But all the time we're looking to engage with new practices, but also reach, have a broader reach. And nice. um, in relationship to the course, it doesn't matter where students live or where they work. If they've got a place on the course, they can get to London maybe once every six weeks. They've got an internet connection and they can be in Sheffield maybe four or six days in the year. They can do the course. Because if students are moving around, it costs time and money. So yeah, we yeah. were kind of like... Before COVID hit, we were kind of COVID proof when COVID didn't exist because we were already doing this kind of blended kind of uh, learning model. And um, it, kind of, it kind of worked before. So when we went into COVID, we kind of the, the segue into that felt quite natural, even though it was super challenging and super difficult, you know, that we, we were all dealing with that situation. Amazing. Well, there we go. Again, another round of applause for being pioneers. I love that. Maybe a bit too late for me now, but for the part ones, part twos out there thinking about it, they should definitely check it out. So there was one or two comments that have come in. So Joe Bacon, whose partners are Alison Morrison and Reba Cancer, says the Sheffield Collaborative Practice Scheme is so good and well run, well done. So uh, there you go. I've, that, Wonderful. That's, yeah, that's nice hearing, not just the students' perspectives, but, you know, the architecture practices out there. And that's why, actually, when you were speaking, I had a comment about that, Satwinder. Have you have you had any feedback from the architectural practices about the, 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 the experience they've had going through this? Maybe there's a difference in how the student is compared to the traditional route when they come out. Have you heard any feedback from the employees by any chance? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, what what we found is when um, practices have students who are already in the practice and the student likes working there, somehow they're kind of, would it be possible for the students to stay a bit longer? But yeah. they can't because uh. they've got to go back. So what this model does is it allows students to stay and stay engaged. It's good for the practice because it means the student continues. Because we all know the first three or four months for a part one are super challenging. Super difficult yes. for the student because they're trying to get their bearings. The yes. practice is trying to work out, have we hired the right person? How's this going to work? So there's a lot of risk involved. But after that kind of initial, initial period, um, the student becomes more engaged and more um, sort of involved. And for the practice, that's good. And then suddenly for the student to leave is a kind of like, oh, I was just getting into this. You know, yeah, I was just yeah. getting into the flow. So that that's a good thing. The other thing on the course is that we encourage students to ask good questions about why is practice the way that it is? Where does the work come from? Who makes decisions about um, the marketing of a practice? Uh, how much does it cost um, to have a desk in the office for a year? How much does it cost to practice? Nope. So conversations about money, about making design decisions. We also talk about is the student an employee or is the student um, an ambassador and what allows them to become uh, the, the latter and what collateral is given to them. So conversations around, 
kind of, you know, quite sophisticated conversations around business, um, the aspects of business, but coming from the perspective of a student learning in real time, being surrounded by other um, like-minded people. So uh, we found that the students, you know, when they finish the program, sorry, when they get into the, the, the second year, they're much more relaxed about time management, making good decisions, being good communicators. How do you tell mm. a good story about a project? How do you listen actively with people working around you? So in our tutorials, we spend a lot of time thinking about that. And the feedback we've had from practices is that, that first of all, they're super happy that the students had a good experience. Um, they like the fact that the student has returned. But then what we're finding now is that we've got students in practices where we've got alumni who did the course who are kind of helping to mentor and support. So over time, the network becomes stronger and more, more positive and more productive. And now is a, is a good time to do the course because it's been going for seven years. But when we set up, it was like, right, what is this going to work? <laughs> Will people sign up? You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's, there's challenges, isn't there? When you do something different, you do something yeah. new, there's always an element of doubt and uncertainty yeah. that will this work and will people kind of buy in and you know and and I'm so grateful to be sat here now you know surrounded by wonderful colleagues and the support of the people we've had within the department I was joined by um uh, a new member of staff a couple of years ago so we were expanding the program Sam Brown who I work with who helps me lead the course so you know we're in a good place and we're we're already you know we're already looking at expanding the program and interestingly uh, a, a couple of years ago we did uh, develop a two year model so students could spend both years in practice and um we went to the RIBA new courses group uh, we'd had the course approved internally, but at the time, the RIBA didn't feel like it could approve the program because they felt like there was too much time in practice. So perhaps, you know, now's a moment for us to revisit that um, conversation with the RIBA. But I think change within the profession is absolutely fundamental because for students, it's important that there's choice. And mm. so students are able to navigate and work through uh, and become the architect that they want to be, but without having um, extra debt and for that to be a smooth, supportive process. And I think the mm. current model has problems, as we've discussed, because it's too long, too arduous and perhaps too expensive. And I, mm. I have, you know, I have a real resonance with this in terms of my background. I came from a working class background. There wasn't much money floating around. So I do feel this kind of, um, I think it's super important that, we acknowledge the cost and we try and have other models, but me, making sure that the new models content or kind of excellence isn't reduced because it's a different way of, of delivering architectural education. Yeah, well said. I, I, com I completely agree. And especially having worked in recruitment and, and dealing with architecture practices, to me, when you're saying that maybe the, the initial critique of the course may have been too much exposure to professional practice, that is so counterintuitive to what I know, whereas architectural practices are dying out for people with more and more experience. And it's just such an advantageous quality for any architectural student who's going after they part two with yourself or whatnot to go into an architectural practice and saying, I've not just done my part one, I've been working in the practice for the last two years. Because you pick up so much stuff 
even just being in the office, soaking it in like a sponge. So I do think that would uh, yeah, I would be quite surprised if that was still the same verdict now in 2022, especially when the, you've seen more and more emergent stuff following your leads. You know, like the architectural apprentice scheme is a different interpretation, but I love that it's got the same sentiment of getting people in practice and actually dealing with that, you know, that student debt, isn't it? If you're working, then it's not just about the experience you're learning, but it's dealing with a difficult economic climate and making it more accessible for everyone. Because you are absolutely from humble backgrounds as well. And it's just like you couldn't I couldn't afford some of to do things now. I'd be I'd be working in Waitrose full time, not part time. So I'd much rather do it with yourself. And while you were talking, though, we had one more comment coming in from Lindsay Richardson, which says, so good to see opportunities like this out there for students to really develop their needs and experience, which is so hard to get in such short time on placements. Thank you, Lindsay. That's great. I'm, well, they, I think that's awesome. And, and so just while you're here, so I'm going to bring it up one more time before we kind of move on from the topic a little bit. But people can check it out in the link as well. But uh, I'm quite keen to know. So you set up um, collaborative practice. But I know from all what you're saying and the feedback from the students, you're a good teacher. But then also, I mentioned that I'm going to be doing this podcast live stream with you today for my partner who is not in architecture who did recognize you so if anyone's <laughs> kind of doing a double take we've got to address the elephant in the room sat when so i'm going to bring it up now because this initial video which i put on which we're going to do again and i don't mean to uh whoop, 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 there we go so this is your show reel right which sounds very glamorous you know but tell us about if you've got a show and people have seen you my partner's seen you uh, how did you get into teaching and stuff through the BBC? Do you want to walk us through that part of your journey as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, um, I feel very fortunate that um, I, I think um, it was about 2016. I got approached by the BBC and they were looking for um, architects and designers to be part of a show that they um had just been going for one series at the time, which is called the Dengineers. So the Dengineers is a bit like Grand Designs for a younger demographic. Right. And the, uh, the, 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 they came across and interviewed me. But before they came over, I was like, I don't really want to do this on my own. Um, I want to do, I want to work with somebody else. And that's one of my big things. Always reach out to good people or, and work together if you've got an opportunity. So I reached out to a friend of mine, Tony Broomhead, who's an accomplished architect, an educator in his own right. And I said, Tony, there's this opportunity. The BBC are interested in, um, you know, uh, us being involved somehow to design these dens. I don't know much about it, but what do you think? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. So the, the producer came over, um, never done any sort of real work in television before. Me and Tony sat down at a table. We just had a chat about design. We were drawing and having a conversation, and they they've, they filmed us while we were doing it. So it felt a bit awkward and a bit odd. And I was a bit like, right, what does this mean? And but we just yeah, we just yeah. had a go. We just we just did it. And then the next day, the producer rang up and said, "We'd we'd love you to do three episodes. We want you to be be one of the designers uh, on on the engineer." So. So very, very quickly, we were sort of uh, given briefs. So the, essentially, the premise of the program is 
children want to have a den made in their back garden. They're teamed up with a designer. We're given a brief and then we come up with ideas. Uh, the den is then sort of partly prefabricated in a workshop beforehand. And then we spend five days on location building the den and then talking about uh, the process of the design itself, but also some things like engineering or sort of physics or there's a sort of educational aspect to it. And and for me, it's been such a wonderful experience because working in television, you realize it's about using clear language. It's right. about being precise. It's about um, how do you communicate well with a broader audience? So it ties in really nicely to to my other work, which is essentially about making architecture more accessible to a broader community. And and working with uh, with with younger children, you know, they're so switched on. They've got so many ideas. They've got no fear. Yeah. They just want to go for it, and we're just helping them along the way. So, so we're now the 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 show uh, won a BAFTA last year. It's also won Royal Television Society awards. We're now on our sixth series. We've designed dens which have got some crazy themes, wonderful themes. Like, um, we've done a cricket den. We've done a, a gingerbread house den. We've done a um, roller coaster den. So some of the wow. themes are quite kind of out there and you might say well that's not very architectural but actually what's wonderful is that we're we're engaging with a younger demographic and we're engaging with ideas what that people are kind of interested in and i think some architects might think oh that's not very serious or that's a bit too playful but i think it's absolutely at the essence of engaging with 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 a broader public and and not taking ourselves too seriously and then on the back of that um I've been developing some ideas um, sort of for television, which are about how do we engage with a broader public and how do we communicate well through the medium of, say, television or so, even something like this? You know, yeah. how do we tell a good story? How do we make people feel engaged and interested? And I found that experience from television has directly um, supported and been brought into my teaching and, and my practice work that I do with William Matthews, who was um, recently shortlisted for the Sterling Prize. So there's this lovely kind of correlation between the different aspects of my work, which essentially is around how do we make good design, but how do we encourage other people to be excited and interested in that without using big words like liminal space or shadow gaps or looking really serious or not smiling. You know, I'm not sure where that yeah. comes from in architectural culture, but I think it's sometimes getting, gets in the way of people sort of being themselves and enjoying right. the work that they're doing. I'm, in, I'm inclined to agree with you that I remember this place, non-place, not it's interesting, <laughs> but you're right. It's, you've got to get We should make it accessible in language as well. So fully, fully understand that. And look, thanks for going through that. Now I've got you here for just under 10 minutes. So I've got one or two questions, but just to remind everyone out there, this is a really good chance for you to ask a quick question to Satwinder as well, where we're live. So as you're a teacher, and I, I'm going to I'm going to ask for some productive little tips for the next five to ten minutes now. So, if you were a student, so me and you are going back in time. So, if me and you are now thinking of you know going into architecture university or looking at your course or anything, do you have any quick tips for them at the moment in the current climate when looking at courses? So are these tips for finding work or tips for kind of working on your project at the moment? 
So I think it's more working on your current projects at the yeah, moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that's such a great question because I was only talking about this yesterday with some of my students here in the in the masters. So I run a a, a studio in the in the masters program, which is about intergenerational architecture, where we're trying to understand yeah. all the demographic that we're that we're sort of designing for. And I think the moment we're in now, where students are bringing in, I call it bringing in the plane into land. Okay, right. We want to have a smooth landing as you work towards the final aspects of your project. And I think I often say, think about what it is, where it is, and how does it make you feel when right. you're presenting your work? Think about those three things. And then following on from that, in terms of the kinds of drawings that you might have or the kinds of communication that you might use, I would suggest um, tell us, always start off when you're presenting your work, if you're standing up, we're doing a review or a crit, say your name say hello, smile, then tell us the name of the project and where it is in the world. So instantly you're communicating with your audience. There's no uncertainty about what this project is or where it might be. And mm. then just tell a very, very simple story about um, why are you interested in this? Why should your audience be interested in this? Um, what was the brief? What was the context? Um, mm. Tell us a little bit about the surroundings. Tell us about the site. And mm. tell us about the process of how you've brought this design to life over the last 8, 12, 16 weeks, however much time you've had. And then tell us about the building or the spatial output. What does it feel like for someone to experience your architecture? And use key drawings, whether they're visuals or sketches, to kind of walk someone through that journey. So when someone arrives at your project, what does it feel like? What, how are they given clues about moving around? And then tell us at the end what you've learned and why this <clears> has been a really helpful exercise and what you might do with this work as you move forward to the next stage. Um, on my Instagram feed, I think, you know, there's, there's tips uh, about, you know, developing ideas or how do we communicate well. The other thing I think is just practice what you're actually going to say in that session. And if you say something, make sure there's an equivalent image on the screen or on the wall that you can point to. Um, mm. And, and try and connect with your audience on a human level. So talk about something that's kind of relevant to all of us, as in how does it feel like when you drink a cup of tea in a really nice coffee shop? Or how does it feel like if you're sat in a garden and the sun's hitting the side of your face? Or mm. how does it feel like if you've turned up late to a lecture or a talk and you're feeling a bit anxious about that yeah. and you're working your way through of arriving and then you feel calm in the space. So use the idea of human emotion. So if, 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 if you watch good television, you'll notice that it always taps into a human emotion because that is a skill as a storyteller that as, as architects, we should kind of tap into. Otherwise, mm -hmm. the flip side is we just kind of go on this autopilot and we say, uh, hi, my name's Fred. Here's my project. We're mumbling, right? And we're, and, and we're not looking we're not at the paper. With the yeah, looking I, at the paper. It yeah, drives me absolutely. insane as well. And and yeah. and, and um, this. So the last question, and you've actually made my my role really easy because <laughs> you've you've gone on to it because I hear a lot, and I want to hear this thoughts of people going, "How can you do a live stream? It seems so easy." But the truth is, I've messed up a hundred times, and I've been nervous, and it slowly builds up. But you've kind of gone the next level, you know, and and going on TV. I mean, that's a scary thing. Like my mother is the TV, so you know, the TV. She's less interested in 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 the internet. Bless her. I love my mum to death. But 
but it's a different medium. And some could say it's a bigger medium. So how do you build up that confidence to kind of speak in front of people? Because that does happen as well for students and stuff in architecture public speaking is important so any tips would be wonderful uh, yeah absolutely um another great question i think you should try to be yourself mm. Mm, okay yeah. you can't you can't be anybody else and 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 people will often sense that in a room won't they if someone's kind of either putting on an act unless of course they're an actor they're paid to do that that's their job yeah. but you you've got to be yourself um it helps if you um uh, kind of know your subject or your topic not to be an expert but at least yeah. you've done a little bit of homework little bit. so before our session today we had a pre-meeting i've looked yeah. at some of your other videos i kind of knew what to expect so right um i think that's that's good know know the space whether it's uh sort of digital or physical and then i think um speaking slowly it's very easy when we're stressed or anxious we start speaking quicker and we just mm. want it to be over and you know breathe everything's going to be fine and just take it steady and then just again try and connect on a human level yeah and um uh try and enjoy what what, what you do use simple words use simple language and practice if you practice speaking and sometimes you know like my work um some of the tv work it is a bit uh, awkward at times it's like well, there's yeah. a camera in my face and i did, i don't feel very relaxed and but then with, with you just say to yourself you know what i think i can do this yeah. i think i'm going to be all right i think you know what i've and for students i always say look you've worked really hard on this project you've you've given a lot of time and effort so just try and enjoy the process and I think if you're more relaxed yourself, the people around you become more relaxed and then you're more likely to find an opportunity or to spot something that otherwise wouldn't exist. Whereas if if we're all uptight and we're all stressed and we're all like, oh my gosh, and, you know, people around you pick up on that vibe and then, then you, you miss an opportunity. So it's like now we're, we're, we're in the groove now. We're just, it's just like we're having a nice chat because I'm trying yeah. to be myself and I feel relaxed. And then then, then it kind of, it's like a little domino effect, isn't it? So I think sort of breathing, uh, tone of voice, um, speaking slowly, speaking calmly, smiling, looking like you're enjoying yourself rather than, oh my gosh, I don't want to be here looking at the floor. <laughs> you know, these are all, they're just yeah. tactics. They're just tips that we, that we, that we practice using or practice adopting. Um, and, but I think part of it is good prep and part of it is being relaxed and knowing that if something does go wrong, it's not the end of the world and there's always a way around that. But with experience, mm. you just become more used to just sort of saying hello and smiling, asking people how they are. When you walk into a room, try and look like you're pleased to be there because then that will rub off onto other people. Excellent. Well, perfect. While, you, while we were chatting, we had a few highs. We had a few hellos. I haven't got another question here, but that doesn't mean that if anyone who's watching this and goes, ah, oh, I wish I watched that, or maybe they watched the recap, I'm going to bring up your Instagram. So you are on LinkedIn. You are on, oh, that's me, big. Here we go. You are on Instagram. You are on LinkedIn. But you've mentioned as well, a good way people can reach out is getting in touch on Instagram. Is that right, Satwinder? Absolutely. You know, if anybody's, you know, um, if something's resonated from what we've discussed, Discuss today, 
um, you know, you can always send me a DM on on Insta. Um, if there's something you want to know more about the course because you're interested, please just reach out and I'd be very yeah. happy to make time for a conversation. Applications are up at the moment. We're actively looking for students who want to do something a little bit different. And I'd be very happy to, to chat to students who are interested. And also, if there's any practices who want to perhaps come on board, please reach out. But I think Instagram, I find it's a really lovely democratic tool because mm. you know people are quite friendly on there it's wonderful you know you can say look i really love that drawing and they go yeah thanks so much and it's just a nice <laughs> way of sharing nice way yeah. of sharing and having dialogue and you know it's 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 quite a friendly space and obviously it's very visual you know this idea that you can just do a quick sketch or you find something you like and you share it and you find other like-minded people and you other other and you find other people you never would have found so mm. i'm i'm very um sort of um supportive of, of it as a tool but i also suggest to my students that they use it as a productive tool to share work and and find things that they're interested in so um but yeah absolutely i'd be very happy for people to reach out um you can find me on the university website as well or, or on instagram drop me a message and you know i'll be very very happy to talk to people Perfect. Well, I've enjoyed this. I know and I appreciate you making a bit of time because you're going to go back to teaching in a second. So thank you so much from the virtual audience. Anyone in who wants to get in touch with Satwinder, uh, please do so. And thank you so much. So Satwinder, stay on the stage for a second just while I log off. Thank you, everyone who's tuning in. We will be back probably next Wednesday. I'll have a think of something to talk about. Otherwise, it'll just be little old me. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.